you're listening to the All Indie Writers Podcast with host Jennifer Mattern, helping serious freelancers, bloggers, and indie authors go pro. Hello and welcome. I'm Jen Mattern, and you're listening to the All Indie Writers Podcast. Thank you for joining me today. This is episode 25. You can find show notes and related links for this episode at allindiewriters.com slash podcast slash 25. Today I'm joined by a very special guest co-host, my very own baby sister, Kate. Now, Kate has a different last name and she asked me to keep it private so she can maintain a little bit of anonymity here. She's not a writer, but Kate is someone that I go to if I need help with a story idea to flesh something out. And that's because we are remarkably similar. And don't tell her that because she hates hearing it. But we think alike most of the time. So if there's a hole in my story, I know that she's going to help me fill that in. And if there's a flaw in my story, I know she's going to spot it. And when she does give me something new to add to a story, if there's a flaw in that, I'm going to spot it pretty quickly. So between the two of us, when we're bouncing ideas around, we tend to end up with a much more solid story. Now, this episode is going to be quite a bit different than other podcast episodes. We are essentially taking prompts and a few ideas, one idea that I gave her ahead of time, and a few prompts that I'm throwing at her without her knowledge today. And we're basically trying to come up with story ideas in real time and letting you listen to the actual process. And my hope is that either you'll pick something up about that process and be able to work with somebody else from your own network to do something similar or that you might even come up with some story ideas based on some of the things that we're talking about. Now, we are specifically focusing on murder mysteries and horror, which are my two main areas in fiction. That's the gist of it. That's what we're doing today. This episode, as I said, will be different. It will be long, so we're going to have a regular cut of this episode and an extended cut. You are currently listening to the extended cut. If you would like to listen to the other version, you can find it on the show notes page at allindywriters.com slash podcast slash 25. And I think that's enough about what we're going to do. Let's just jump right in then to the pre-recorded call. Hi, Kate. Thank you for doing this today. You're welcome. Glad to be here. <laughs> <laughs> it just sounds silly because we don't talk like I know. that together. <laughs> I should have my NPR voice really <laughs> slowly and deeply. <laughs> Okay, so as I had mentioned to followers on Twitter previously, I had talked to you about a screenplay that I was working on in the horror genre. And so I want to give a little bit of background here on that first. So you have a moment to go grab a cup of coffee. <laughs> I know that you wanted one. <laughs> um, the screenplay, basically, I had wanted to write a slasher screenplay with a female killer. And as I was thinking through the motives for this character, 
it occurred to me that it would probably be better to have two female killers in the story. And I decided they would be sisters. There's a big age group. And long story short, the older sister kind of corrupts the younger one in the story and drives her from innocence to monster, essentially. You're watching her devolution throughout the story. And so because Katie and I have a 10-year age difference, you know, I wanted to talk to her just about that that, you know, that age dynamic and kind of the relationship that we have, that's the only thing that really kind of ties in from our relationship. So I wanted to play on that. So I gave Katie a call and I just kind of asked her outright, you know, Katie, what would it take for me to convince you to stab a man to death? And she didn't go, what? Or you didn't have to think about it, really. <laughs> she just, we just sort of talked about it. And that's kind of a normal conversation for us, which is fun. So the reason I brought Katie on here today is that I wanted to let other people kind of hear one of these weird conversations and kind of how a little spark of a story idea becomes fleshed out and deeper when we're just sort of bullshitting around about it. And you know, the great thing is with me and Kate, is there's a flaw in my story, she's going to catch it. And if there's a flaw in what she proposes, I'm going to catch it. So we're able to kind of come up with something in the middle, usually at least. So now these are going to be kind of quick, more rapid fire than that was. That was a longer discussion on one story. So today we're going to have a mix of murder mystery and horror. And I did give her a heads up on the main topic I wanted to talk about, which is where I wanted the two of us to imagine having this epic fight. One of us decides the other one just has to die, basically. <laughs> and how would we kill each other and actually try to get away with it? And so I'm not even sure that I would have had to give Katie heads up because I'm pretty sure <laughs> that she would have already had ideas. I know I did. I didn't even have to think about it. And I felt a little guilty about that. But eh, what are you going to do? So I don't know. Katie, do you want to start? Do you want to tell them how you'd kill me and try to get away with it? And if I notice anything that seems like it would be, you know, not wrong, but something that might give you away, I will let you know so you can quickly try to think around it, and then do the same when I'm telling you. Well, you know, you gave me this prompt, and I was like, huh, let me consider this, and then immediately <laughs> did not think about it all weekend. <laughs> and, and I love you, too. Thinking, well, as we've been thinking about it this morning, every nibble of an idea I have, I've noticed, relates to something I've been reading lately, or... <laughs> Murder, She Wrote is my background show now. I do my work. So. That's always my background show. <laughs> yeah. You have me so disappointed right now. I really thought that you would, like, just fire this off. And I thought you'd already have have thought about a way to kill me. Where well, did I go wrong with you? That I found that I wouldn't be caught is, unfortunately, I can't confirm that it would happen. And I completely blame <laughs> this on a short story I read recently where a man is joking at a dinner party with some like new age clients who believe in reincarnation. And he says, I want to be reincarnated as a house cat. I can't think of a better life. You get to sleep all day and you disdain people, but they still feed you and love you. And he's murdered by his business partner. There's some EPA regulations that they're not following and they're architects. And he's murdered by his business partner, partner and is reincarnated as a cat. And the whole story is him going from this woman's suburban house pet to finding his business partner and his plots to kill his business partner. And 
Initially, he doesn't want to kill the business partner's wife until she makes the vet appointment to get him neutered. And then she becomes priority number one. (laughs) So because of that book of short stories about cats I was reading, I feel like somehow I would use your pets to kill you. And the obvious ways... I just have to say, I have to interrupt you here because one of the suggestions that somebody emailed me, the whole email was literally kill someone with a cat. <laughs> There's so many. So we're just so tackling two in one. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm, I'm not surprised that someone brought that in as a prompt because if you think about it, there's like cat scratch fever, there's toxoplasmosis, however you pronounce that, and their litter. So, yeah. Um, I, I feel like that was a story I read where someone put poison on a cat's claws and it somebody. Huh. But, you know, when I saw this prompt, I was sitting there. I was like, this what the fuck moment. I was like, what do they even mean by that? Kill someone with a cat, like kill someone who owns a cat or kill someone using a cat as a weapon or like a bunch of mutant zombie cats on a killing rampage. I don't fucking know. <laughs> so I'm glad you had an idea here. Yeah, that or (laughs) cat toy on the stairs, I feel like, is a common. Yeah. Well, but that's just the cat's own devious nature at play. (laughs) They're already trying to kill us. (laughs) They don't need your help. Yeah, like cat toy on the stairs is a great, you know. Oh, Oh, what a tragedy. The cat left the toys there not realizing that you've you've made an obstacle course for your nemesis of... (laughs) Figure eight winding cat. Okay, and okay. But, but here's a potential problem with that. I already have five cats, so I'm used to their toys, plus a dog who leaves toys everywhere. So I'm used to watching where I step. So I don't think that would kill me. Flaw. <laughs> I know. That's, that's the problem. My brain went down this tangent, and it's just like, oh. How, uh, I I thought the same thing as the person who sent him the prompt. I'm like, how do you use a cat to kill them? <laughs> now you're going to be thinking about this all week. Well, I'm thinking, I was thinking about it already. And I mean, my roommate cat isn't a great example because he's just such a fat blob. Oh, no one would believe that. <laughs> That's the perfect one then. <laughs> All right. Well, I've thought it out a little bit better, (laughs) I hope. I'm glad, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) I should just say, you're actually the only sibling who has never pissed me off. I don't think you've ever really pissed me off at all, nonetheless enough to actually want to kill you. So (laughs) Mm -hmm. you're probably safe. Besides, I figure if I ever need to kill somebody, you're my accomplice. (laughs) So I I have to keep you alive. And I did talk to Laura, who for everybody else is our cousin. Um, We went to Centralia for a research trip. And I mentioned this show to her. And I told her, I said, if Katie and I ever decide we need to kill somebody, we need you to be the alibi witness. And she's totally on board. She says she's an awesome liar. (laughs) So she's got her back. (laughs) So, yeah. All right. So I figure... If I have a reason to kill you, it's probably not a crime of passion or anything, right? So I've got time to plan ahead. So I would wait until winter and I would strangle you. And the reason winter is because nobody is going to say boo about you wearing a hat where you're, you know, you're not, you're not going to leave hair behind, all that kind of crap. So easy, tuck it up in a hat, wear gloves, um, you know, nice hefty boots. I'd get men's boots, perk of being tall as I can sit in men's shoes if I really need to. So just 
that little bit, you know, to mislead and walk around with a scarf and I'd use a scarf to kill you. So got the simple, you know, super simple murder weapon in plain sight. Nobody's going to think anything of it. And there you're protecting yourself from leaving behind prints, leaving behind skin because you're well bundled up. Um, you're not going to leave behind hair because you've got it tucked up in a hat. And I decided I'd buy all this stuff. I would drive a couple hours away, next state over, and I'd go to a Walmart because Walmarts are so fucking generic and they are everywhere. So literally anybody in the country could pretty much get the exact same items. So, you know, and even if they realize, hey, this is from Walmart, we found a fiber or something, they're going to look at the local Walmarts where I killed you, not the next state over. Um, and that's just to, you know, avoid getting on cameras and such. Um so I don't know, that's really the gist of it is just buy the stuff further away, keep everything plain in sight, do it in the winter so you have an excuse for all this and nobody thinks anything of it. And really, how hard is it to get rid of a scarf? You know, there's fire everywhere in the winter. Just burn the fucker. Pretty easy. I don't know. The only downside or the only difficulty would probably be, you know, isolating you. But I don't think that would be tough. You know, I don't think it would be tough to get a sibling to go somewhere with you. Um, say I'm taking you out for a Christmas shopping trip for mom or something, and we make a stopover somewhere, that's all. Um, so then in this scenario, I don't suspect that you might have <laughs> negative intentions towards me. Well, exactly, because I've waited potentially months. You know, like I said, this is something I've had plenty of time to ponder. Not a crime of passion where we'd like just gotten a fight or something. Um, only downside of strangling is that you are almost as tall as me and we're probably not too far off in strength. So now I'd have the advantage of surprise though. You know, once I get it on your neck, you'd have a really hard time getting it, you know, getting free of it. Um, and the nice thing about a scarf is you can quickly tie it. You know what I mean? So you've got that extra leverage. Um, I've overthought that part a little bit. <laughs> um, mm. But that's, that's the perk over using something you know, like a belt or a cable or something like that. Um, just really easy to maneuver. So that's the gist of it. I'd lure you somewhere and strangle you with the scarf. Whereas I think if I was going to murder me, (laughs) (laughs) because I do live in a larger city, especially the last summer, there was a number of people who I had gone to college with who were, um, one was stabbed to death on the train by someone, oh God. you know, um, and another was shot in a drive-by. Jesus. In his, yeah, summer in the city is always something. Why do we let you live there again? Well, the fourth, the stabbing was on the 4th of July, so that. <laughs> that doesn't answer my question. <laughs> no, but I was going to say. It's not even like a question of neighborhood or anything. And I think that's why there was such a strong response to that crime was it happened when the trains are full of tourists and this happened on a full train car and no one had, you know, um, the other one was in a pretty marginal neighborhood. Um, and this is like a whole side issue diverging. Um, something I've talked to with some of my friends is I think, single guys living in the city are willing to live in less safe neighborhoods. They don't have the constant calculus of physical safety in their head that women have yeah. from pretty much the age of 11. Yeah. Um, I don't know. And we talk about the city, but there, 
idiots who live in the suburb with a house full of guns just like waiting for a reason to use them. So I'm just, I'm, yeah. So I would say just purely for the sake of getting away with a crime, I would take advantage of the fact that I live in the city and I, if I'm walking to the train from my restaurant job late at night or some other time where I'm alone and there's not going to be many witnesses, mm-hmm. a fake drive-by would kind of be the way. Um, the only issue would be, well, I guess not a fake drive-by. A fake mugging would make more sense because that way you don't have to have another target that they would assume was the intended target. Yeah. Whereas... I know people who have been mugged at night and there were never guns involved, but I think if I looked robbed on the street at night, the police wouldn't assume a sibling from out of state had come into the city and murdered me. (laughs) Giving me more ideas. I'm just more murderable. (laughs) I don't know. I'm pretty isolated, Kate. I'm surprised you didn't come up with something. But see, that's, well, because you're isolated and you have, like, a pretty well-established routine. I'm home alone, like, all day. It is easy. I I shouldn't even say this because now somebody's going to come fucking murder me. (laughs) It's like, I have an alarm system and I have a dog. (laughs) But that's part of it. You live alone, you're in a relatively isolated place, but I feel like that would raise more questions about why yeah. you would have been chosen to victimize, you know, because you do, you work from home, you have the dog, you have an alarm system. It's true. I was going to say like, oh, it's a fake robbery. You'd have to there have would be more else. obvious houses to rob. Yeah, yeah. One where there isn't someone home, one where there isn't a dog, you know, all these yeah. different things. So I'd have to explain Aggie letting you get by. Yeah. <laughs> and she's a very but. tough dog, so nobody. <laughs> you should you should include a photo of her with her. Uh-huh, with her big old teeth. <laughs> I've already showed them cute pictures of her, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but no, she's a very good, loud bark, guard dog, so. She um, does assume she should bark at everyone. Yes, she does. And she protects the whole cul-de-sac, not just the house. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so now, damn, we're going to have to think of something else to talk about because you kind of took the whole kill with a cat thing. Um, oh, okay. I didn't realize that was one that you wanted to use. <laughs> I thought it was like, oh, what an interesting thought. <laughs> had... Well, this yeah, is far I... more boring than I thought. We really wouldn't be terribly good at killing each other. You know what my other concern was, though, with killing you with the strangulation would be I'd have to find somewhere I could do it where, what do you call it, uh, where I wouldn't have to move a body because I don't think I'd want to do that. I feel like it's like the clean, like the after stuff that's going to get you caught. Like I'd yeah. be able to kill you and leave you where you fall. I wouldn't want well, to. Well, that's true. The cover-off makes it worse. Me. Like, if you told people, like, oh, we're going to, you know, I would tell my roommate or my boyfriend or someone, like, oh, my sister's around, we're going to go shopping. Mm-hmm. So then, at some point, it would come up, like, weren't you with her? So yeah, I feel like you I'd would have, have to set up some kind of, like, some sort of, like, a fake attack or something and go running looking for help myself or something. And leave Yeah, you'd have to, you. like, kill me at the mall, too, I think, mm. like... It doesn't have to be shopping, though. I mean, I'm sure I could get you to go on a great hiking route or something. 
Um, sure. I'm sure I could come up with something. At least then I wouldn't have to worry quite so much about leaving hair and stuff behind if people know we're together. So I wouldn't even have to wait till winter. See? Mm-hmm. Thank you. Now I can kill you anytime I want. <laughs> well, I knew you'd be helpful. Oh, See, wow. I'm very good at this. I would just, yeah, we have to pick up like <laughs> where it seems probable that someone Mount Misery. would come on. No, Mount, Mount Mis- I would take you to Mount Misery in Valley Forge. We would go up the the steep. The the there's two ways up. You can go up the the you take the lower path and go up the back way. It's a little easier to get up, but takes longer. Um, or you immediately go up and it's crazy, crazy steep climb. And I mean, you feel like you're gonna fucking die if you've never done it like the first time. It's really rough. Um, I take you up there because it's totally plausible that someone would fall if they weren't familiar with it. I'd push your ass down Mount Misery. That's what I'd do. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> That's pretty simple. Don't need any special equipment. Just oh, yeah, let's go for a hike. Cool. And then I'll go running for help as if I'm a you know normal concerned sister. So, there you go. Don't go to Mount. Don't go to Valley Forge with me. <laughs> yeah. Oh my. Thank you. Yeah. So I, I said on Twitter too. I said this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna end up. We'll tell each other these stories and we're gonna help each other make them better. So we'll be even better equipped to kill each other. <laughs> and so let's move on to the next one. Paula had responded when I said something like that, and she had basically said, you know, oh, if you, but if you guys do that, you're going to be able to plan counterattacks against each other. And I was like, well, first of all, neither one of us is stupid enough to give our best ideas to each other. <laughs> and second of all, um, it kind of inspired another idea that I wanted to run by you. And I haven't really put much thought into this one. Um, but I was thinking along the lines of like some sort of a murder game. So figure it's not so much a murder mystery idea, but, you know, kind of a cross between that genre and somewhere in horror, I guess, but more closer to murder mystery. Um, So let's say you have, again, two siblings or two friends or something. I think this would be a great story for twins, you know, maybe like kind of like fucked up in the head twins. And maybe they decide that they can't stand having an identical twin anymore they want to be unique and the world's only big enough for one of them and so they come to this decision together and they decide being super like crazy but highly logical people that the answer is simple they're going to turn it into a sort of a competition or a game to kill each other and the smarter one will therefore win and be the one who deserves to live but but here's the thing i was thinking to do something like that you know, there, there are stories of twins killing each other for, you know, that very reason. So as it's make this more interesting, it needs to be like a sort of a game that they agree to. And they actually have to have rules in place and they have to take turns. So if you fail to kill them on your turn, then it's the other one's turn. You know what I mean? And you can't try to kill them. And again, they'd be totally like fucked up in the head. And it's literally more important to them to win the game then it is just basic survival. So the characters themselves have to be nuts. But just thinking in terms of like that game and the kind of rules and stuff, I wanted to see if you could come up with anything, any kind of ideas or sort of rules or how something like that might work in a story. Yeah, I mean, it's really interesting because where my brain goes immediately is would one of the siblings eventually decide to cheat? Like they're, they miss on their turn. And then that anticipation of knowing that they're not supposed to try and kill their sibling based on the rules, wanting to win. And then 
how that would kind of devolve into would one sibling be a stickler for the rules or would there just be a point where it would become no holds barred because they're both serious. And I think that would be the interesting thing to focus on in yeah, not the who, in which the one's gonna yeah, which one's gonna eventually just go for the kill and say oh, fuck the rules. Yeah, but it would have to. I think it would have to kind of follow the game a little bit, though. You know what I mean? Before you get to that I think point, it, yeah, well, I think definitely. they'd have to get pushed to the point where they realize, oh shit, this isn't gonna be as easy as we thought. Um, so like it's them trying to outsmart each other, you know, to prevent the other one. And maybe maybe yeah. maybe it's like they have a certain amount of time, or maybe each turn they would have to use a certain kind of weapon. Um, and the others could defend themselves by simply barricading themselves in a room to, you know, fighting back and defending themselves or something. But um, I don't know, like what kind of stipulations would you want to see in a game like that? This is reminding me of some campuses did a game kind of similar to this where you kill you have an assigned kill person and there's someone assigned to kill you it's essentially like tag with high stakes okay so let's say each person in the class was given a popsicle stick with a name on it so the person with your name is trying to kill you and you were trying to kill the person whose name that you have and there were rules about you couldn't do it in the person's dorm room and you couldn't do it in like the cafeteria, but everywhere else on campus was like, you're free to go. And <laughs> how quickly this game escalated. And in the, I, article, like, I, I really went to the, it. I went to the wrong school. Apparently. <laughs> I, oh I'm, I'm going to look this up. Um, I, I don't want to like Google campus murder game, but, <laughs> but the ways that people were going around not being killed, like it, you know, getting packs of people to travel around them in a circle. <laughs> like people were skipping classes and staying in their room oh to like God. follow rules and not be murdered. So it's interesting the idea of having it be a game and having rules. If you get one person of the two who believes in the rules and really follows the rules. And the other sibling starting to take advantage of that and not immediately breaking the rules because they want to be the one who lives and the other wants to be the one who wins. And they know if I seem like I'm following along with my sibling's game, they're not going to, I will know the parameters of when they're going to come after me and I can be plotting ways to go after them and not worry about it when it's, you know, quote unquote, my turn. Yeah. But yeah, so people go crazy even when it's fake murder. So, yeah, I imagine, you know, that whole desire for self preservation is strong. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I could see that. I mean, that just reminds me hell when we were kids, you might have been too young. We used to, okay, so it's a big house, okay, and we used to play, there were a lot of kids in our house. Um, me, my two brothers, two stepbrothers, a stepsister, and I said Katie might have been too young at this point. But we would play a game called Cops and Robbers. And were you old enough for this? Do you remember? I remember it. Okay. Where we would, you'd basically have, you'd be hunting each other throughout the house, basically, trying to shoot each other with fake guns. Uh, The cops trying to catch the robber and the robbers trying to kill the cops. And and you'd be hiding in closets and under beds and in all sorts of places. 
and there was like, I remember like, man, your, your chest, your heart be beating out of your chest. Like you really feel like somebody's around that corner going to freaking shoot you. <laughs> it was intense. Um, but yeah, that, and we used to play similar a game around um, Phoenixville at Jesse's, at our aunt Jesse's house over the summers. We would play it outside though, around the entire neighborhood. And I still remember one of the neighbor boys who would play it with us. Like, we'd be on bikes and stuff, like, everywhere. It was crazy. And I remember the one kid, he hit up on a freaking tree. Like, it was like, he really didn't want to get caught. And I was actually pretty impressed. So impressed I still remember that to this day. Um, but, yeah, like, even in a game, I can see that, you know, that you, self-preservation is, I don't know, just a key instinct, I guess. So, yeah, they have to be completely batshit crazy to make it work. Yeah, they would need to share, like, almost, I feel like, you know, something bad must have happened to these twins in their, like, (laughs) developmentally important (laughs) years to make them think that this is how you solve problems. (laughs) You know, rather than the same time. But at the same time, could you imagine having somebody else with your face? You know, if you're, like, a very individualistic person, and like that would be really messed up like as much as there are times when I would love to have a twin or I joke that I would love clones uh, because it's just so much to do no I would hate that I think I would absolutely hate that you know I I can understand even if it's wrong and nuts and everything I, I can kind of understand why it might bother some people if they're already predisposed to um yeah well I guess and especially if you would write this as a book it really opens up like you know is there like a something biologically wrong with both of them that they would resort to murder like it opens up reasons the whole nature versus nurture thing do these twins want to keep each other genetically or like did something bad (laughs) happen to them yeah so, I don't know, that's a story I wouldn't mind reading someday, maybe even writing someday, but we'll see, we'll see. Um, but yeah, it definitely needs to be flushed out some more. You know, like I said, these are just preliminaries. Yeah. Um, and all right, so let's move on now to the other one I have. And then, since we're going through these a little quicker than I thought, and we're now one short because of you, <laughs> and you were lazy and didn't think about how to kill me very well, um, <laughs> I thought that was reasonable or just hit you over gently enough that I wouldn't leave a bruise and claim that you tripped over a cat. Oh, my. <laughs> um, so this last idea somebody had sent in was uh, it really just boils down to they wanted to see if we could come up with some kind of an actual scary vampire. Um, so I'm guessing they're not a Twilight fan. Um, so, um, like, I don't know, like, I, I don't know. I I think there already are a lot of scary vampire tales, you know what I mean? And at the same time, like, I don't think that, you know, the traditional Dracula story is all that scary. You know, it's never felt scary to me. I love that story, but, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, it had like, I don't know. I, I just think like the whole romance, sex, all that kind of stuff is kind of ingrained in that well before the modern incarnations um so that doesn't really bother me but you know i don't know just like like a really like vicious sort of vampire story i think if i were to do something like that i'd probably just base it off of an old myth there's just a lot of fucked up vampire lore out there already that i don't think has really been tapped in fiction so yeah i think i would 
just tap existing folklore or mythology and run with that. Um, yeah, I remember there was some vampire story I was reading where the vampire character was like very disdainful of the no entering home, you know, a lot of the parameters that were yeah. set in draft because they're like, why would anyone be afraid? Just wear like a cross, eat garlic and don't open your windows. Yeah. And we don't seem that particularly threatening. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think that could be why someone thinks, oh, vampire stories aren't scary is different writers. It's sort of the problem with Superman. Like you do need to build a flaw into your character or why does anyone care about their story? Like there needs to be some way to defeat vampires if they're going to be this big, bad evil. Mm-hmm. But it's be an awful lot though. Right? Yeah, it, it seems like too many. Like, I can't. Sunlight, yeah. holy yeah. symbols, water, garlic, like, too much. Any yeah. purifying thing. It's like, well, yeah, this doesn't seem super challenging to. Yeah. I could, I could avoid this. Yeah. Um, so, like, all right. So, there's, um, uh, so you have this demigoddess character in Greek mythology. And ultimately, over time, the story kind of not got downgraded, but I'm not sure what the right word is, um, where basically then, you know, her name ended up representing a group instead of this individual character. But basically they were kind of, they were vampiric kind of beings and, you know, the wild red hair. And um, I believe, I could be wrong, I believe these are the ones who kind of looked like old hags. And I think they even had like an animal limb or something. But they could disguise themselves as beautiful women to seduce men as they slept. But like you were just talking about ways to defeat them. The only like I love I love the story, right? And I thought this would be so cool to work into something modern. But you defeat them by insulting them. Like really, that's <laughs> it. That's it, right? <laughs> and but at the same time, like okay, but that so so let's say we get rid of that weakness, okay? Let's say somebody's familiar with this mythology and we work it into a modern story that these things are real. Uh, I think it's spelled E M P U S A. So if you want to look it up and see how wrong I am about the story, <laughs> you can. Um, but so what if we took that away? You know that whole killing them with insults. And let's say somebody knows the story and they they try it. Well, now you're going to end up with a really pissed off chick who wants to kill you. See, now that is a story I think would be fun to run with, you know, and them having to find their real weakness and everything else. But um, and another one that I like is I, I can't pronounce the name for these ones. It starts with a P. Um, I believe the story comes from Malaysia. And basically, again, it's a woman. Um, for some reason, a lot of these tales, they're women. <laughs> um and she, well, she decapitates herself. And basically you have this head flying around with entrails and everything leading behind. And she can kind of use her entrails and grow her hair out and use them like tentacles to grab things. And she tries to break into houses where she'll devour newborn babies. And if she can't get in the house, um, her tongue, uh, I think like go-go gadget tongue, you know, um, she will send her tongue into the house to essentially suck you dry. Um, so that's a kind of fucked up story. I kind of like that one. <laughs> oh, and the really cool part is she has to 
she has to then soak her entrails and everything in vinegar to shrink them back to be able to put them in her body when she's done. So, yeah, I like that one. And I'll I'll find a link to this so you can read more about these masks, and I'll put them in the show notes at allindywriters.com slash podcast slash 25. I was thinking about the first myth that you were telling me about the Greek one, and I think if you were going to do a horror comedy, it would be hilarious if somebody was trying to (laughs) insult her, but she's now, like, body positive, empowered feminist, (laughs) so they're trying to insult her, and she's like, no, I have thousands of Instagram followers, I know I'm gorgeous, (laughs) like, like, I love that. Oh my god. All right, that's going to be the next screenplay as soon as I finish the uh the sister slasher one. <laughs> yeah, so I think it would be funny and it's fabulous. Interesting. I love that insulting a woman was like the way to bring her down. She's like, "No, I don't care about your opinion." Like and then that, finding yeah. out some other weakness and then now I just pulled up an article about the Malaysian one. <laughs> Yeah, it talks about like how they would use thorny leaves and prickly plants and stuff because around the windows. And it's, it's, again, similar to Dracula, like protection of plants around the windows is kind of interesting. But it sounds terrible that they suspected some midwives became at night. So they're like, oh, if the midwife doesn't want to make eye contact with you or is like licking her lips while she's doing her work. That's because she's thinking about eating your baby. baby. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I feel bad for these poor midwives who everyone thinks you're scooping out your intestines and, um, and apparently there's there's multiple versions of it too. Like there was one where, um, I think they were saying that they were, I don't know, the ones that were accused were women who died in childbirth. So it's like in one case, we're talking about living women who, essentially become this sort of monster at night and then they go back to being women when they they soak their entrails and put them back in their body and then in the other case you have people who have died so it's kind of i don't know that's kind of interesting but but yeah it definitely feels like a certain fear of women in certain capacity with a lot of these stories um well here's another way to make this wait what was that to me um i'm reading about ways to destroy them Okay. Um, and it's saying another lo- non-lethal way to get rid of one is to Wait, turn is over the body. Is this the Anbusa or the uh, the Malaysian? Penangalon? Okay. Yeah, the Malaysian <laughs> one. Malaysian one. Um, um, you flip their body over while they're gone, so when the head comes back, it's attached backwards. Oh. And <laughs> I, I'm picturing this, like, evil dead kind of shenanigans. <laughs> angry vampire woman whose head is now on backwards. Um, Oh my goodness. Yeah. So, all right. Yeah. So I don't know. See, maybe, maybe we'll have to combine them in some way. I don't know. Yeah. That'd be, that'd be a fun, that'd be actually really, that'd be a fun movie. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, like some, like a feminist vampire movie where all these, Maybe that's my niche. I don't. Maybe that's my niche. I do seem drawn to the whole killer women thing <laughs> when it comes, especially when it comes to you know more visual mediums. So, oh my. Yeah, and I, 
definitely think that could be interesting of like you have these vampires from around the world who have all you know moved to Europe or the US or what have you and them dealing with like oh that's actually that's actually a really cool idea yeah like my head got put on backwards this morning (laughs) I feel like an interesting buddy comedy with a female vampire oh my god so yeah I don't know. See, and for some reason, I find this is where we seem to be better at this is when we're talking about screenplays. Maybe we're both just more visual people. <laughs> then I don't know. First, we what did we do? We took it to comedy. So <laughs> we didn't really answer the question. Um, and I, I think that's maybe part of it is like so much of the fear. And I was just recently rereading some vampire stories that were based like in Ireland. And they talked about uh, Bram Stoker, a lot of the way that he described the environment is similar to his background in the Irish countryside more than what Transylvania actually looks like. And there is a history of different, you know, blood drinking creatures in Irish folk tales that come and sort of. There's a lot of, a lot of Irish folk tales. Yeah. Yeah. Heritage. <laughs> Superstitious lot, aren't we? But yeah, no, you know, when it comes to the whole scary vampire thing, I think the real key for me to do that would just be focus on them killing kids. Go after the young because, you know, there's certainly nothing. I don't know. I can't think of anything more horrifying than something wanting to kill babies. And here's the thing, though, just as a side note, I am the kind of person who would totally tell my kids that if they don't eat their fucking broccoli, like literally eating your fucking broccoli, you know, instead of garlic in this case, is what's going to keep something from coming and eating you at night. So, and that is, that is why the world has decided I can't be a parent yet, but I would do that. Like, that would be totally normal to me. I think that, you know, parents way back in the day, I think they had something. <laughs> so, yeah. But, yeah, there's nothing more horrifying than thinking about. That's why, like, yeah, the original I- Grimm's Tales and all are so terrifying. It's because, you know, it's all these awful things that could happen to, to kids. You know, that's, I don't know, that's where the real horror comes for me, at least. But I don't know. That's just me. Well, I think a lot of traditional folk tales, fairy tales, vampire stories from around the world are based in things that people are afraid of at the time. So the reason that we don't find vampire stories and stuff as scary anymore is because, yeah. you know, a stranger isn't going to walk up to your house. Well, it's not that. They used to I, think that they're they used to think that they're dead. We're actually going to rise from the grave. And we don't really have that worry anymore. So we're we're pretty confident. <laughs> well, <laughs> I say that I there, I feel like a lot of people in this country are legitimately like hoping for a zombie apocalypse. So I don't know. Yeah, I guess find a way to tie it to something more modern. I'm not sure. I don't know. How would that work? You know, or or would we need a completely new monster to deal with the things that scare us now? I kind of feel like, you know, the vampire has its place, but I don't know. I kind of feel like we need something new. Yeah. Well, and I, I mean, even as a kid, I what weirdly, I was scared a lot, especially being home alone sometimes after school and living yeah. pretty much in the middle of the woods. Yeah, we did. <laughs> and you... That house is, no, you know what? that house that house was scary. That house was very, very scary if you were ever there at night alone. 
I don't know if you were, were you ever there at night alone because you were younger? I guess when you got older, you were. Um, yeah. But you know what it was? The whole staff, first of all, it, it's this big house. It's up on top of a hill surrounded by this perimeter of woods. And you can't see any other houses from up there. And you are, you're probably a good quarter mile at least off the road um, up this huge hill. Like it's insane. Totally isolated. And the south facing wall of the house. Now, first of all, so you've got this living room. It's a big sunken living room. It's a two-story, one of those that goes all the way to the top of the house. And the whole freaking side of that house on that, you know, in that room particularly, were these giant windows. We're not talking normal windows. We're talking like these really, really high, like probably seven or eight foot tall, narrow windows that just lined in these like two rows. They lined the whole room. And it was kind of crazy because you think about it. And then you've got the big glass doors on the patio too. If anybody wanted in that house, they were getting in that house. Um, mm-hmm. But second of all, I, those I big windows. There the, would be a killer or a monster, like someone yeah. pressed up yeah. against those windows looking in at me. And that so was the thing. But that was from that room. Yeah, yeah, but that was the thing. Not a single window in that room ever had a curtain or a blind or anything on it. Never. So at night, you're in this room and it's got this cold feel to it. Like, oh my God, like in the fall and winter, the the drafts and stuff, you'd get this chill in there and you just have these black windows and there were like no lights and stuff out there. It was scary as hell. Yeah, there's no way you'd get me in that room by myself. So, yeah, I I was with you with the serial killer thing. I I had genuine worries that somebody, because we would get looky-loos who would come up our driveway because they see this, like, little lane-type thing that looks like it's going nowhere. And we would occasionally get people who would just drive up to see what was up there. They didn't realize it was a driveway that went to a house. So it's like you're home alone after school and some stranger comes up. It's really fucking unnerving. And you never knew it was going to happen if somebody was going to walk in through the woods. And yeah, that that was a big fear. So like a yeah. serial killer story well, would be a scary one for me. That's yeah, that's the that's monster I'm scared about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. My fear and, is definitely more more human oriented than monsters. Well, and I know my monster fear as a kid was werewolves, but that's because when I was young young like maybe five years old and it's that big two-story living room yeah up above there's a balcony overhang that leads off the upstairs hallway so I was the youngest and my family made me go to bed because they were going to watch I think it was like an American werewolf in Paris (laughs) or like it was some not actually scary movie I decided to sneak out of my room and sit up (laughs) on that balcony (laughs) So I'm five years old, and all I heard was the sound, and my brain got to fill in the picture. So for years, I thought, like, there was a werewolf in the basement. Like, I was terrified to go in the basement by myself, those big windows. I always thought a monster was going to come out of the woods and get me. Like, and I can pinpoint it to that night of being little. So, and I think that's part of it is someone as an adult saying, right, a legitimately scary monster. Its atmosphere is so important to the things that frighten us. And there's definitely been things that scare me as an adult, but it's hard. And again, I'm going back to movies rather than stories, but the difference between like a jump scare in a movie, but then you go home and you're fine versus 
something that stays um, with you. Yeah, something that stays with you, and even not good movies. But mm-hmm. after I graduated high school and we moved, mom moved. If I wanted to see a movie with my friends, I had to drive back to like the Coventry Theater in our old town. Yeah. So I would drive home by myself, probably a 20-minute drive at night on a relatively deserted road. (laughs) It wouldn't be a fun night drive. Yeah. So, and normally if I'm, you know, going out to dinner or something with my friends, the night drive didn't bother me that much, but it was always like, even what the hell, that Will Smith movie with the fast mutant creature things. I am legend, but that like was not scary in the theater, but then sitting in my car in the dark, brought up those like there's someone gonna be in the back of my car and I'm gonna be driving and someone's gonna come up and get me like it's that feeling of being alone in the dark and feeling like something's gonna get you that's what is scary to me and I guess that's why vampires have been popular for so long and they operate at night but uh, yeah to me seductive monsters yeah I I think it's more that I think they're popular because of the whole seductive monster type thing as opposed and the whole human thing you know the fact that they're so human-like um so i don't know i feel like that's kind of why they've been you know such a long well i guess because seductive monsters i don't find that scary because no not a scary sense what am i gonna swipe right on a vampire (laughs) and we're gonna there you go that that is your (laughs) that's the movie title (laughs) you need to write that one Um, and I, that's why I think vampires are tapped out. No one sees themselves now as the victim of the vampire who's just going to get eaten and dropped. Everyone sees yeah. themselves as the like, maybe I'll become a vampire too and my love <laughs> and I will be mortal. No one sees themselves as the victim in the vampire stories. You yeah, align yourself either with the vampire or with the super special snowflake human that the vampire decides to fall in love with. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, you know, maybe the solution to the scary vampire thing is it's time to really adapt the vampire or come up with a new monster. I, I don't know why it has to be vampire. Why does everybody, everything has to be vampire? Let's do something else, you know? Yeah. Vampire, zombies. I, I've had my fill. I'm not a huge zombie fan, I have to say. You know, I yeah. do, I look, I like the older films and everything, but I just, like, I can't get into the TV shows and everything now. It's just too much. I'm just not, I just and don't I feel get like that. to make them scary, they kind of, you know, they're like, oh, now we have fast zombies that can run and can think. And it's like, oh, so they're people. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, the funniest thing I remember ever seeing, it was just this, this picture going around online. And it was like, oh, in all these old zombie movies, with the slow zombies or even in Walking Dead, they use horses and stuff. Yeah. Or like the cars fail and they're like, if only there was a form of transportation that was like widely available, inexpensive to maintain and like powered by human like bikes. Yeah. Zombies aren't scary if you could just get on a bike. <laughs> like you you can like go circles around them and be yeah. fine. So I think Yeah, I've um I've just never seen zombies as actually scary, I guess. I don't know. But so I guess a new monster. I know. I like, know. We need something new. That's just. It. Or, or here, or here's a better question. Here's a better mm-hmm. question. What monster would you want to see revived that really doesn't get much love? 
I think we've had enough with werewolves. I think werewolves, you know, they've been in the whole Twilight thing, and we had the the remake of Wolfman. I love that movie, and I love Benicio well, Del Toro. <laughs> um, werewolves, too. I actually was just talking to Paul about this recently. For a while there, in the bookstore, all of the books had, like, were-lions and were-animals. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like the authors wrote a werewolf story and were like... <laughs> you know what? I can't get away with this. There's too many. They literally just like control, find and replace and put the word lion in for the word wolf. (laughs) Well, and I think what bothered me about that genre is it's 2016 and you're going to have a were lion who is a white guy from like Appalachian America. If you're going to bring in other were animals, I think that's a chance for, you know, multiculturalism and Ideally, the authors themselves would be of different backgrounds and saying, like, this is a rare story from my yeah, culture. Yeah, I could see something like that. That, I think, could work. Well, because there are rare stories from around yeah. the world. I remember, like, Hawaiians have were sharks. Oh, my God. Which is so <laughs> funny. Cool. Me, growing up with werewolves and stuff, but, yeah, sharks are terrifying apex predators. So someone who turns into that is... So I think oh. there's a way to do where people and have it be interesting and modern and not just rehashing the same I'm in love with a tortured soul but he turns into a monster once a month like (laughs) we get it but still you know that's still overdone though like can you think of any monsters that really just something from the past was just not done I don't think we I don't know I guess they kind of had that mummy revival years ago and I think they're they're, well they're remaking that now um Okay. What? Unless Brendan Fraser is in it, I don't care. <laughs> no, I think this one's Tom Cruise. Like so, I want him not for me, but I'll watch it eventually. Um, yeah, I feel like mummies were pretty done. And again, that's something that's like it's interesting, but it's not scary because and this yeah. goes back to dad's house. I remember being a kid and seeing the mummy and he was afraid of cats. So I'm like, I literally <laughs> am not at all concerned about the mummy. Because there are some cats outside. But you know what else, though, with the the mummy, I think the reason I'm not so scared of them is that I find them fascinating from an archaeological standpoint. I'm an archaeology buff, so for me, it's like just a historical thing. Like, I remember when the Tut exhibit was making the rounds. Oh, my God. Mm. Like, (laughs) I was so excited. Um, But, yeah, I remember I was so pissed off because I wanted to go back and see it again when it came through New York then because I saw it in Philly. And I ended up, we had to miss it for some sort of event or family thing that was going on. And, but yeah, so I love that stuff. So to me, that's just like, I'd be like, Ooh, you know, like sit down and let me ask you 20 questions. (laughs) You know, I'm fascinated. We're going to find a professor and we're going to go over some things. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my. So no monsters, huh? We're still, so we've ruled out mummy and hmm, I'm trying to think what else would be something worth reviving and not not just like on screen not like movie monsters but something that would work in a novel something that would work in short stories and you know ghosts are always popular but that's not really underrepresented I think that's what scares me the most which is odd because you you know I'm not going to talk about this (laughs) I don't know I mean I remember my first experience really reading anything even remotely horror related was sitting on the floor in Phoenix Hall Library's children's library which was down in the basement it's kind of dingy and kind of creepy down there 
but anywho, I used to sit there and just sit on the floor reading ghost stories, like fascinated by ghost stories. Like the ones that were supposedly real, like local ghost story legend type things. Um, that still fascinates me. I still read those books. <laughs> Not from the children's library, though. But so, yeah, so ghost stories are a big thing for me. You know, that's the novel I'm working on now is essentially a ghost story. Um, and actually the short story I'm finishing this month is a ghost story, too. Um, that's I think that's like my monster, the ghost. That's not even really a monster, but um, that's the one that I seem to feel the most drawn to other than human killers. Um, so monsters are tough for me, you know, monsters aren't really my thing. Like, hmm, I don't know. Like sea monsters don't really do anything for me. I'm not really, I don't know. Like, I don't think I'd be able to write something like that very well. What monster doesn't really do anything for you? Like sea monsters, you know, that, Oh, yeah. I've been reading a lot about them lately and people wanting to see more fiction in that area, but it's like, that doesn't work for me. Um, I don't enjoy reading. Grew up in a landlocked state, so I yeah. don't <laughs> That's true. We don't really spend much time on the water, and I kind of have a bit of a fear of boats. So, yeah. Um, hmm. I'm trying to think, what the heck work? I don't know. Go back to Scooby Doo. Like, what were the cool monsters back in the day? <laughs> That's like most of my monster exposure. Um, hmm. I thought this would yeah, be easy. I, I thought we'd be firing off monsters. No, I I think it's kind of interesting, though, to go through and figure out, like, why aren't monsters scary anymore and what monster do we think? But is that that they're not scary, though? I just, I think that a lot of them just don't seem interesting anymore, yeah. you know? So we keep going back, and again, it's the ones that have, the ones that keep recurring are the really humanoid Monsters, the vampires, the werewolves who are human most of the time, witches, things like that. Mm-hmm. Whereas just all out creature type monsters, we don't really see as much of that. And, you know, again, ghosts even, it's, they're humans. <laughs> yeah, where we don't interact with the natural world that much anymore. We all deal with each other. So the yeah. monsters that are so popular are people because yeah. are monsters. <laughs> See, and that works for me, but it's it's a little frustrating yeah. that I can't think of a good monster that I'd want to see revived more. But everyone that I'm yeah. thinking of is really just very human-like. Because mm-hmm. even I'm thinking like um, it's Neil Gaiman's story about a troll, but even he that. did it perfectly, and it's kind of done. And um, yeah, the Dresden Files did a troll in like a short story. But that, you know that's pretty pretty much taps out the creature hiding under a bridge to eat children. Like there's only yeah. you know that's not you're going over it in a car. How often are you walking over a bridge anymore? Um, yeah. I yeah, it's hard to think of a monster hmm. that seems relevant. Yeah, I don't know. And that's just it. I don't know. Maybe we need to think in terms of what are people afraid of today. I don't know. That's crazy. Like, oh, well, I'm actually going to go to Google quick. And I'm going to say, hmm, list of legendary creatures. Hmm. Yeah, see, I guess my issue is, like, what would be plausible to see today? You know, like, you've got the whole Godzilla, you know, super monster kind of thing. And I don't know. It doesn't work for me. Yeah, yeah and I, I think that's, again, something that, 
was very much of the times when there's just this rampant yeah. post World War Two post-atomic weapons fear of like what have we done what is going to be the consequence of this and I'm trying to think of a modern phenomenon and Mm -hmm. you know I guess it would just be internet related or something (laughs) like that yes uh, I think we have internet predators I think that covers (laughs) we're being punished for the internet already yeah so nothing what about something what if it's not a monster in the sense of something out there running around. Maybe go back to, all right, you know who I used to love growing up was Michael Crichton. And maybe he was onto something, you know, that it's, you know, focus on science. And it's not always what you can see. You know, think like Andromeda strain. Um, so, you know, think about things like the Zika virus and Ebola and all these medical advances and fighting these diseases. Well, what are we doing if we create something more resistant and most of our drugs stop working or maybe I don't know what do you think about that like medical advances scientific advances maybe the real monster to worry about isn't something you see maybe it's something that's in you that can be passed to you from anybody that you're near I guess that takes it back to human then doesn't it (laughs) we're the monsters (laughs) that's all there is to it so yeah yeah, we're bad at this. I thought, man, I thought for sure. Oh, I, I actually feel like at least we've really analyzed why vampires <laughs> aren't scary. Yeah. And like, yeah. well, not just that. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't just that, though. It was because another question had asked about something. I don't remember what it was now. I didn't write it on my, my board. I cleared a murder board for this episode. <laughs> so, yeah, I didn't write it down. They're asking something about, about monsters. So I wanted to talk about that anyway, but we just sort of fell into it. But, you know, I thought I would struggle with the whole coming up with a monster idea because that's just not my attraction to horror. I don't focus on that so much. I'm more into the ghost stories, the haunted houses, and the human element. And so I thought for sure, though, that you'd come in and you'd be like, okay, yeah, this one needs to come back, and that one needs to come back, and this one needs to stop. And I thought you'd have ideas for sure. So I'm disappointed in you today. <laughs> I'm not a big monster person and I think a lot of the stories that I read are very much in the urban fantasy Mm. category if they're like modern stories and so much of that now is like humanizing monsters and so it's sort of hard to go at it from like a purely horror perspective and be like terrifies me um all right so I pulled up a list of monsters we've got sharks you tell me if you hear one that you think should be brought back more. You have sharks, you've got aliens. I'm not into aliens. No. Right? Like, I'm almost embarrassed to admit that, but I know I just never could get into aliens. Anywho, cats, werewolves, crows, ghouls, sasquatch, golems, vampires, werewolves, rabbits. Rabbits, really? <laughs> Okay, this list actually lists zombified cows. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> Could you imagine out here in farm country? I was going to say, we grew up in farm country, so that's at least <laughs> somewhat. That would be, okay, that would be a little messed up. Um, T-Rex, a possessed spaceship. Oh, from Event Horizon. They're listening it by movies, it looks like here. Um, yeah. Spiders, 
You know what I wouldn't mind seeing? And, you know, they are remaking it, so we'll see. But clowns, that's it for me. That's my monster, Evil Clowns. Not really technically a monster, I guess, but that's it for me. That was one of my earliest movies, and I have never gotten over the fear of clowns. And it's odd that I love Tim Curry as much as I do because that was my first exposure to him. Um, but the thing was, I must have been four or five because it was when I was still living in Brooklyn, and my dad was still married to mom. And dad took me to the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade and a clown on a unicycle. We're standing like right up the edge and a clown on a unicycle came up to me and was sitting there squeaking his nose. And I guess he thought he was appealing to a child, but he was fucking terrifying to me. (laughs) And I was screaming and crying and it was awful. And then I remember... Like, it must have been, you know, you know what it was? I'm betting it started slightly before that, the month before for Halloween, because Uncle Mike had dressed like a clown and scared me. So I think it started with that. So then this clown comes up to me in November at the parade, and I'm scared shitless. And then it's like just a few years later, there's it. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that was it. I was done. I was done. So I wouldn't mind seeing it done well. No. I think that so. children find clowns terrifying. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but you know what it is though with clowns? It's, I, I think a lot of the movies, like more modern movies dealing with clowns, I haven't seen a really good one. And I don't like watching them, but if you could point me to a good one, I'll watch it. <laughs> Maybe not alone, but... <laughs> no, clowns. And I think the reason clowns get me is it's just it's just a face paint. You know, oddly, I can deal with a mask. I can tell myself that is a dude wearing a mask, right? And that doesn't mm-hmm. bo- that doesn't bother me. Like when I'm sitting there, I was just watching Hush, and it was fantastic. If you haven't seen it, you should see it. It's on Netflix. Um, so I was watching that, and I was really, really happy that they had him take the mask off and not have it on the whole fucking movie because it was like, you know what? It's just not that scary anymore, yeah. and. So I loved that. I thought that was beautifully done. But I don't know. With the makeup, though, I think the difference with the clown is, A, they're hiding who they are still. But you also see every facial expression and everything. You don't have that mask covering it all up. And there's just something about that combination of seeing them and not really seeing them that freaks me the fuck out. I can't stand it. So, no, I hate clowns. It's the very exaggerated features on a face. So, like, you're looking where their regular eyes are, but their whole, like, face seems to look like eyes. Yeah, I can see that's more scary than a mask. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I can't do clowns. So, but I would like to see clowns. Again, I don't know that that would really work in a novel or short story so much simply because you can't really describe a clown's face as well. Well, I I probably couldn't. (laughs) I don't want to think about it in depth. Um, but I don't know. I just, I guess I think of a clown as more of a visual thing. Like you really have to see it to get the full impact of that face. Mm -hmm. So I'd like to see that done better in movies if I can get the nerve to watch them. (laughs) So so we'll see. Um, but as far as just, you know, books and stories, I really can't think of anything that I'd like to see revived. I mean, I guess if people want to see more sea monsters, give them more sea monsters, but I'm not going to write that. So. Oh, here's some more from the here's some more from the list. We got the Mummy, the Invisible Man. Um, there's only so much you can do with these basic ones, you know, Frankenstein's monster, Gill Man, Doctor Jekyll, Mister Hyde, Quasimodo. Um, do you know what else I want to see remade? 
again, I'm going back to movies for some reason. I want to see the remake Phantom of the Opera and not the musical, like the actual story. That's what I want to see. I'm like itching to see that done really, really well in a modern film, like just beautiful. So, like as as beautiful visually as they did with the musical, but not the fucking musical, <laughs> the actual story. Um, have you read it? Wait, have I read Phantom of the Opera? Oh, yeah. I'd like to see it done like as an actual horror movie again, but you know, be, I don't know, just I want to see it updated. That's that's my thing. That is the movie I want to see really, really badly. Um, all right, here's a few more. They've got wolves, Anubis, rats, bat, crocodile. I can imagine crocodiles being fucking scary if you live down in Florida or something. If I saw a crocodile mm-hmm. walking on my property, I would fucking barricade myself in the house. There's no way I wouldn't know. I couldn't. I could never yeah. live. I could never live in Florida. No, no. The whole, there's nothing appealing to me about living in Florida. No, I'm too hot. Transparently pale, and I hate the sun. <laughs> it's hot. Same here. I, I just want to go further north. This is why I want to move to England. You know, sooner the better. So it's let's see, grayer, more rain. I'm there. Oh, <laughs> That's all it takes. But. I don't know. Oh, here's a monster for you. Genetically modified AIDS. <laughs> That's very specific. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I don't know. You know, like, I don't like the whole ape Bigfoot thing as a monster. I don't know. That bothers me. You know what I'm saying? I think it's that I don't like seeing animals so much as monsters. I don't know. I think mm-hmm. that's what it is. You know, well, it's like, like, it's like Cujo. It's like, this is just... Sad for everyone involved. Yeah, that's what I was just thinking. Of. Yeah, it's like I remember like watching Dad and Pet Cemetery and stuff when I was younger, and I was like, I don't know. It's just there's just something off about using animals like that for me. I don't know. Maybe that's why I gravitate towards humans as the monsters because we do such awful things. But, you know, most animals don't. I just think that we're, we are more terrifying to other species right? than any other species is to us. I know. I know. You were talking about sharks earlier, and I almost like went on a tangent on you because I'm very protective of sharks. <laughs> like, I don't want to go out and swim with them. But, but, yeah, I feel very protective of them because it's like, you know, we fucking endanger them, and we are so much more of a threat to them than they are to us. And it just bothers me that we basically teach people to be terrified. I don't like encouraging the fear of something that we don't necessarily fully understand yet from a scientific perspective. And I, and I, I don't know, maybe that's just because I have such a strong sense of curiosity in a scientific sense that to me, it's like a puzzle or something to be solved. And I just, I worry that teaching people to be afraid of everything they don't understand and encouraging that behavior. And it's not just, you know, with animals and such, it's even just with politics and religion and everything, you know, that's what we do. We encourage people to be afraid of what they don't understand, you know, people from other cultures. And that pisses me the fuck off. I don't know. And rant. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't I don't know. I just don't like that whole encouraging ignorance and fear. So yeah, I can't think of any monsters that I want to see revived. I just can't. It's terrible. <laughs> but it's like I wanna see something else revived or created though. Like I want something new. Well, right? I feel like we set up a nice challenge for your listeners to yeah. prove us wrong. That's true. That's true. I like to be proved wrong. Go ahead. No, I don't, but <laughs> I like yeah. to see people try. <laughs> so I'll take it. Um, 
But yeah, so go ahead and you know, leave a comment on the show notes at allindywriters.com slash podcast slash 25. Uh, you can comment there. Tell us what monster you think should be revived in horror fiction. I'd, I'd love to hear what you'd like to see more of. You know, not necessarily because I want to write about it, but just for curiosity's sake, because I want to see something new. Or better yet, what monster do you never see in fiction, but maybe from an old myth or a local legend that you'd really like to see on the screen or in a novel? And tell me about it, because I'm curious. You know, I'd like to discover some new ones, or maybe you've created one, you know, if you write horror. Tell me about it. But yeah. So we didn't necessarily flesh out story ideas quite as I'd hoped, but still, hopefully people have picked up a few things at least. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. So let's move on then and try something else. I have been working for quite a while on a collection of dark fairy tales that I'll publish whenever I finish the book collection. But for now, what I have is this list of, you know, the morals or lessons for these tales. And some of these are ones that I've already written stories around and others are not. So we're going to start with one that I've already written because I want to see where you would take it as, you know, in comparison to where I went with it. Okay. So in this first one, you have this old woman. She's, you know, this is, you know, think way back in the day, fairy tale time. This old lady, she lives in a little cottage in the woods, completely isolated. She lost her husband and her two children when they were all much younger. So she's been alone and isolated for a long time. The villagers, they kind of leave her alone because they fancy her a witch. And so one day, you know, it's just this terrible day. The wind is like wrapping the shutter, you know, things like that. Just It's just this day she's sitting at home and somebody all of a sudden starts pounding on her door. And, you know, she's terrified. She, you know, nobody ever comes out here. She's worried, you know, are the villagers coming to get her? Or she has no idea what's going on. So, and then all of a sudden, the rapping on the door, it gets louder, it gets fiercer, and she starts to hear screaming from this man. And she just sits there and listens. Keep in mind, you know, the villagers, they think she's a witch. They could be there to get her. This could be somebody coming there looking for help. She has no idea. What would she do? Well, it's interesting because if it's like somebody, so there's just one person she hears screaming? She hears one man's voice screaming and then the pounding at the door. At that point, I wouldn't assume it's like, yeah. Would you open the door? I guess there's no peephole in this scenario. Um, Either not or she is too afraid to get near the door. That's where he is. Yeah. Well, it's in, I based on my own behavior of if I was home alone in in the middle of the day and somebody knocks on my door, which ha- you know it used to happen more when I lived in the city and not in an apartment when I lived in a house. But like I ignored it if I wasn't expecting something and someone knocked on the door in the middle of the day. Um, and I mean, where I lived, it was a lot of scams of people being like. I need no, to mind. This is, this is way back in the day. That's not scam. <laughs> oh, no, but that's something. The reason I don't answer the door now when I'm not expecting it is because I assume it's a scam or it was someone like casing to see if the house could be. So I think if I was an isolated older woman living alone with a vague fear that at some point people were going to come after me, I don't know that I would open the door. Okay. 
Now, let's say this guy, he gets really desperate to get into your house. And all of a sudden, he starts busting your door. And, you know, this is old wooden door. And all of a sudden, he's starting to break through. What are you going to do as you're worried he's going to get through and into the house? I'm assuming hide at that point. Grab any... It's a little... Keep in mind, this is like a tiny little cottage in the woods. There's not going to be a whole lot of places to hide. Yeah, so I'm thinking, like, back against the corner, farthest away as possible from the door, grab a fireplace poker or something to, like, have something in my hand at least so I'm not just cowering but I would get back away from the door and try to have my back in the corner so someone I'm at least face on good all right um next up he gets in you know this guy just broke through your front door screaming his head off charging in your direction you're sitting there in a corner armed with a poker or something what do you do I think it would I'd like to imagine you have a split second. You have a split second. You don't think it would be possible to tell someone running toward you versus away from? Like, I think if the person made eye contact with me and kept being directed. You're in a tiny little cottage. You're terrified, little old lady. You don't have time to think it through. You're not analyzing the guy's face. What are you going to do? I mean, I'm, I'm sitting in my living room now. (laughs) <laughs> looking at the dimensions. Well, no, I'm sitting in my living room looking at the dimensions of, like, from my front door, it's probably eight by eight. Um, so if I was in the far corner from the door, I don't... I'm assuming at this point the person isn't trying to attack me. And frankly, if they are trying to attack me and they just broke through a door, and I'm a little tiny woman in this scenario, even if I take a swing at him, it's not really going to do much. So okay, so, so your instinct with a fire poker in your hand is to take a swing at him and not to run him through. You're not my yeah. sister. Yeah, you're not my sister. <laughs> no, I wouldn't run yeah, through. I'll, I wouldn't have even thought about. I, it. Yeah, no. If I, I had that, that in my hand, I think I would use the leverage and try to like. If I thought someone was attacking me and this was all happening split second, I imagine I would swing instead of stab. If I was going to stab, you, would, you don't think you'd just be holding it there in front of you like that? No, but that's huh. but I would be holding it like horizontal to block my body. Huh. I think rather than like directly straight out, huh. I would be holding it like a baseball bat. That's how I imagined myself. Well, we were on the same page for a little while there. I can't give away how the story goes or what the moral is, but uh, you were right that he was running away from something. So good call. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. All right. So there you go. What was he running away from? You got this. Come on. I really don't. You got this. He's in a little cottage in the woods. What is he running from? What were you afraid of living in the woods? I was I was thinking like, oh, is this going to be like a wolf thing? Yes, like a it creature? is. It is, actually. Yeah. So there you go. Um, so yeah, you were almost on the same page. Pretty close. Um, and actually, but that, and at first I was like, well, I've been picturing like there's a werewolf chasing after this dude, but <laughs> I think that, because that's immediately what my brain goes to. Oh my. Um, yeah, so actually, our youngest brother was the slight inspiration for that story. Um, the goat? I, I was thinking about the goat the whole time. <laughs> no. <laughs> what are you talking about a goat? I'm talking about Tommy. <laughs> yeah, when Tommy got chased through the house by a ghost and he forgot to shut the front door behind him. No, that, the house. that happened to me too. That goat was terrifying. There's a monster movie for you. 
Oh my goodness. And for listeners, we had two goats and they were terrible. So it was awful um, walking at this huge driveway and the goats would sometimes get loose and um, attack. <laughs> it, was, it was truly terrifying. And once or twice, yeah, they, they made it into the house by chasing you to the door. So yeah, I could definitely see some sort of a goat monster. I'd buy that. I well, would believe There that. were days where I turned around and had to walk to a neighbor's house after <laughs> and it was sitting on the front porch. <laughs> I used to have my trumpet case, even on days when I didn't have anything for a trumpet, I would take it with me because it was literally like a shield from this thing if it attacked. It was awful. Um, but yeah, you would have to learn like other ways to get to the house and to sneak to a back door. It was... <laughs> It was an absolute nightmare. Um, so, yeah, we had goats and ducks and a pony. <laughs> Might as well have lived on a farm, really. And we had dogs and cats and a chinchilla at one point, briefly. So, <laughs> more, more, more of a. <laughs> I could tell you stories about Beanie. <laughs> um, we won't go there. Family friendly programming. Yeah, sort of. Um, but yeah, and we had guinea pigs, and um, we have anything else? Do we have guinea pigs? I don't remember before guinea pigs. Before you, before you. Oh, okay. Had I had lizards. Oh, Tommy Snake, Mr. Bubbles. <laughs> yeah, Bubbles. Okay, okay, I'm uh, sorry. That would be an awesome an awesome creature in a horror story and it would have to be like a snake creature and it would have to be named mr bubbles <laughs> definitely um well there were, i hate snakes but i love that little guy he had a cute little face but yes we need we need a mr bubbles monster i think that would be nice in greek myths there were people women with the bottom half was a snake yeah i think but I, that to me isn't that scary again because then it's just a just a person who can't really do stairs well. <laughs> All right, so let's try another idea. Take like the least scary thing you can possibly think of. Come up with a horror story that revolves around it. Something like completely not scary. Fluffy little kittens. Um, I, I I was thinking of Rosie, which <laughs> is my boyfriend's Boston Terrier who weighs eight pounds. Dogs can be kind of scary, though. I don't think dogs should count. No, she doesn't have a mean... She can't bark because she's a Boston Terrier and she has, like, a flat face. She can barely... She sounds like she has asthma and she snores, but yeah, I but don't think... To other people, she's just a dog, though. You know what I mean? To other people, they're just... They're, like, a lot of people are legitimately afraid of dogs. She's so tiny. I know. To us, it's not. Um, but something completely not scary to anyone. Like a fucking cardboard box. Seriously. Like that kind oh. of blah. Give me something. No, I'm thinking, what's in the box? What's in the box? <laughs> um, something that's not scary. We've been talking about shit not being scary all this time. <laughs> I mean... I- I feel like things have been done with like plants being little shop of hearts. <laughs> I love that. Now I want to watch that. What is not at all scary? Something maybe you see every day. What do you use every day? I don't know. Your toothbrush. 
I was like toothbrush. Um, what? Yeah. I was I got I got distracted when you said cardboard box because <laughs> of the short story I read. Oh, well, I read the short story of a cardboard box that actually was a monster, and it <laughs> it it was actually pretty well done. Um, it um, I don't want to generalize too much, but it was based off like Native American shapeshifter myth. Okay. And the shapeshifter that was like a carrion, you know, it would eat small animals or dying things. So the in the story, the creature adapted and was eating roadkill, and it disguised itself as like a piece of cardboard just on the side of the road. But an engineer sees that the cardboard box moves in a way that like the wind wasn't going and so he spends his day obsessing over this and goes back to see it. And so then the cardboard monster realizes someone's onto it and it winds up um, like chewing through his brake line. So it's, it reminds me of this prompt. It's like, if you think of something so innocuous, but, and a way to make it more than what it is. Yeah. So a toothbrush, give me a story. <laughs> You're not getting away with it. <laughs> No, but I feel like toothbrush isn't that I keep thinking, but do you remember the Simpsons Y2K when all of the electronics went evil? It was like silly stuff like the toaster. Yeah. Um, I mean, I use an electric toothbrush, so it's like pretty easy to imagine. Think of a manual toothbrush then. This isn't hard. It would just... And it doesn't have to be, or, you know, it doesn't even have to be horror. Let's let's go back to the murder mystery thing. We've kind of been neglecting them. How might someone kill you with a toothbrush? Well, I guess someone just startles you while you're brushing the back of your tongue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would have thought like poisoning the toothpaste, but you're like, no, I think I'll just startle them to death and hope they choke on the toothbrush or something. That's great. <laughs> oh my gosh. All right, let's try a different item then. Toothbrushes aren't working. Mm-hmm. You want to pick an item? Anything come to mind? Um, cup of coffee? And no poisoning. <laughs> That's too obvious. Mm. Could coffee ever be evil? <laughs> <laughs> coffee. Coffee's just so pure. Such a good... <laughs> um, I know, it kind of is, right? Damn. Hmm. Um, here's another item. I'm sitting here in my office. I'm just rocking on my chair and I'm looking at my whiteboards all over my wall. Imagine mm-hmm. an evil, like possessed whiteboard and messages and shit just appear. No, I feel like it, if it was in a, I feel like to have the most impact, it would need to be in a school, like yeah. either a university or maybe a high school or a middle school, depending on the direction that you wanted the story to take and, Okay, well, let's let's say university, and you've got a whiteboard in this lecture hall, and messages just start appearing. What kind of messages might they be? Maybe the professor keeps erasing them because he thinks a student's doing it as some sort of a gag. Yeah, so that's how I think it would mean to start, is the messages are already up on the board mm-hmm. when the class starts trickling in. All right, well, let's, so, first let's figure out what kind of class it is. Because then we need to decide if the messages are going to be somehow relevant, you know, how they're going to, why he's going to think his students are doing it. Um, what kind of class do you want it to be? I'm 
thinking of like different directions because the message could relate. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so, if you no, want to do, yeah, it could be like a loss class versus if you did like a science class. So you have this group of students who are like very empirical and they don't believe in anything supernatural. So they would be like very resistant to thinking yeah. something is going on versus maybe if you had philosophy students or something, they'd be a little bit more open to, and the messages could be a little bit more complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. Let's say we're talking about pre-med students and you've got okay. some sort of an advanced bio. You know, that seems like a good place to bring in, you know, deaths and things like that. Um, so, yeah, it's some kind of a biology or medical course, pre-med students or med students, whatever. Um, so it could be med school. Um, what kind of messages might there be? It could be anything from, like, maybe naming somebody and, go. you know, maybe it's just, like, really innocuous, like listing specific body parts or something and nobody thinks anything of it so professor is just going to come in and erase it so maybe body parts start showing up on campus then and eventually the students realize that these things showing up on the board are what's being found and then the messages get more sinister as we go how might that yeah do we are we thinking there's a person coming in and writing these messages or I was sort of viewing it as like some mysterious board. We need to figure that out. Let's, yeah, let's, if the whiteboard is just somehow like predicting things that will happen and it mm-hmm. starts with just like a very innocuous, like somebody gets like, like it describes maybe injuries that would happen in a car accident. And then someone gets a call and leaves the classroom because someone was in an accident and it sort of, well, that's not a great example. But well, we've got like body parts already and showing up on yeah. campus, so we're already beyond accidents. <laughs> oh no! But I mean, just to have it start, because I think the body parts on campus, yeah. then it's like the the university itself is a malignant force that is killing people, <laughs> or is it? Um, um, I don't know. I think the whole great university. That's a big story about student debt. <laughs> <laughs> it's just about an arm and a leg in there. Um, <laughs> but I... Hmm. I don't know. So, well, what if it goes then from... You have body parts. And, you know, so you've got people investigating sit on campus at this point, And all of a sudden, instead of things like that, you have... Or maybe it starts even before that, like things going missing. You know what I mean? Like maybe something of the professors goes missing, some lab equipment, you know, tools... And that's what shows up first. That's how it starts. And he thinks it was some prankster. And then it escalates to body parts. And after that, maybe it starts showing names. And that's when you start seeing people actually die. Are you helping? (laughs) Yeah, no, well, I'm thinking, I'm trying to figure out what is doing this. Um, Well, we're we're trying to get plot first. And then we'll we'll kind of figure it out. so let's say, no, there's nobody writing this on the board. It's just appearing yeah. on the board. And so these students, they're all being accused of potentially doing this as some sort of a prank until they start realizing, holy shit, this is serious. Um, 
And maybe then the professor, he sets up a camera or something to watch to try to catch whichever student's doing it. And that's when he sees the writing just appear. Maybe it even leaves him a special little message knowing it's being watched. I don't know. It could be, I mean, it could be as simple as some sort of a haunt, like Melissa's haunting. You know. Yeah, exactly. Like this is a decent ghost story, and then I'm wondering, well, yeah. who's the ghost? Um, um, somebody, I don't know. It could be somebody tied to the medical program. Maybe they died in an accident on campus years ago, or um, something even more recent. Maybe from the local hospital. You know. Um, I don't know. What are your ideas of who the ghost might be? Maybe somebody who's I- specifically tormenting the professor. Maybe he's the target, so they're going after his students and using his classroom for these messages. Yeah, I think, I mean, just my experience at the university, classrooms sort of switched between, like, there was no, this professor, this is their classroom. Mm-hmm. There were, like, department buildings, but the rooms were all see, sort of... Yeah, see, in our school, it was definitely different. They they had their own... Um, but you know what, too, we're talking, remember, we're talking about, like, a med, med or pre-med program where they're going to have a lab... So it's probably not like a lecture hall kind of thing after all. It's going to be, so it probably is going to be more their lab, you know, with the equipment specific to the course they're teaching. Um, So still, in terms of that, these messages, they only appear right before this guy's class, this professor's class. So maybe he did something. That's what I'm thinking, like what your professor do. Um, Maybe he's a serial killer. Maybe he's taken body parts from victims. I don't know. Although then it doesn't make sense that the ghosts would want to kill others, like students. You know, yeah, his victims trying to get. Yeah. So maybe uh, the body. Unless the ghost is one of his victims, and the teacher is a serial killer, and the ghost takes the body parts from the teacher's victims. Okay. And exposes them. Yeah. I guess this is a very physically able to act ghost. Because I think it's kind of interesting having it limited to the whiteboard. Yeah. But, um, but this, yeah, so it's only his class. It's only just before his class. And it's to kind of expose him to his students. You know what I mean? Well, so hopefully thought, the student, these smart students are going to figure this out. My thought is like inappropriate student-teacher affair. And they then the student, um, or, the, or she killed herself because. Okay. Um, but then, but then but we don't really have any use for the body parts if he's not a killer. You know what I mean? Yeah, unless she was killing female students that she thought he might have an affair with. So then he's but trying to do the body parts, though. Hmm? That still doesn't make sense for the body parts, though. Well, we can do something other than body You mentioned names. <laughs> yeah, as like an escalation. So so you're um, thinking, all right, so he has an affair with a student. And um, so she decides to come back and hurt the sleeve bag by killing other students. I don't know. I don't know if I like that idea because it seems like I don't. I just don't believe that that many women in this guy's course are going to be so low as to want to bet the guy. You know what I mean? I don't that think has, that they do. So you think she's so just like how a super I'm, jealous? Yeah, this is like a vengeful, angry ghost, and she's killing them because she thinks they're potential romantic rivals. Mm-hmm. And then but you I, mentioned it. I don't know. Buster, who's my, a camera. My mm-hmm. issue, my issue with that, just as somebody, you know, reading the story or watching it, is there's no real good guys because it, your ghost is evil. There's no, you know, and frankly, the guy is a fucking asshole. If he's sleeping with his students, he deserves whatever the hell he gets. And 
so all you have is this awful guy, this ghost who's crazy and awful, and you have her killing other students. There's no real, there's no one to really root for. You know what I mean? As opposed to having the ghost trying to expose him for something, you're kind of rooting for the ghost to to do that. But I don't think it'd be rooting for the ghost to kill these female students. And I think it would be interesting. The professor obviously, like, doesn't blame himself at first. No, but I think people like, reading it are are going to hate the guy, you know? The culmination of the story could be him killing himself out of guilt because of what's happening um, or the ghost finally killing him because... When you mentioned like him trying to film the board to see who's doing it, yeah, and that's the first time that the ghost communicates with him directly and is like, "I see, I see you," or like, "I see you watching me." Yeah. Um, so it's like it's his horror at realizing his actions are causing more of his students to die. And yeah, I guess that's true. Maybe he said something during their affair, and she kind of repeats it. You know, something suggestive gives it away mm-hmm. who it is. But I don't know. No, the story doesn't appeal to me. I don't know. I'm not writing them. If anybody else wants to run with the story, feel free. <laughs> um, but yeah, so there's a couple of ways you could go with that. You could have the ghost trying to expose, you know, this guy as a killer. You could have this guy uh, having an affair with a student and she's getting revenge in her own way. Um, but yeah, haunted whiteboard. I don't know. I think that could be fun some way or another. Um, I could even see a story where you just have like here you have a writer you have whiteboards like i mean for god's sakes i have murder boards you know where i literally just write out kill scenes and and murder mystery plot i think the only one up there still right now is the slasher screenplay um so yeah i mean i could see a story with a writer you know and some sort of a murder board you got a mystery writer or something and watching it kind of take on a life of its own um so if you write that i want to i want to read it (laughs) So see, even though I love calling Katie to hash out story ideas, I don't always love the ideas we come up with. <laughs> so, hmm. Well, I think that's interesting that we started with the same prompt and then very different stories. we're going to go different directions with it. Mm-hmm. So I think for people who want to write stories, talking it out with yeah. someone else just, is helpful because is. you assume that what you're thinking is the way everyone would go with it. Mm-hmm. But that's not the case, and what you build on with someone else might be better than what you were going to write alone, or just force you to think about things in any way. Yeah, and this is just a good exercise for writers in general. You know, in the horror genre, for just that, what is the most innocent thing you could possibly think of, and then find a way to turn it into something awful. That's kind of fun, you know. So play with that. Um, might not be a whiteboard for you or a toothbrush or whatever else we mentioned, but I still say go back to fluffy little kittens. Well, that's just me. Um, they have kind of little, tiny little needle nails. And then they know. They're precious. And they, like, sit sharp. in the palm of your hand. <laughs> I want one. <laughs> no, I don't. I have too many cats. Um, yeah, if I came home with another cat, I think there would be <laughs> World War Three in this yeah. house. Um, hmm. Oh, hold on here. I thought I had one more. Okay, so let's do one more quick one. Let's see where it goes for us. Um, we'll go with horror again because apparently that is what's on my brain today. Um, basements. Let's talk about basements. I don't like basements. 
They creep me out. Um, for those who don't know, in the house that I have now, I didn't want to move here. The first moment I walked into this house, when we were looking at places, I didn't even leave the foyer. And I said, I don't have a good feeling about this house. And I was right, because let me tell you, a lot of bad shit has happened since we were in this house. Um, so, yeah, I had a bad feeling about it from the start. And moving here was like a terrible decision. And But aside from that instant feeling like something was just off here, um, the basement freaks me the fuck out. Um, we went down there the first time, didn't notice anything strange. It was when we came back with the guy who was doing the home inspection. And we're down in the basement, and he's checking out the equipment, and I'm the only one there with him. And all of a sudden, I notice, wait, that wall doesn't go all the way to the end of the machine room area. And there's kind of like a little walkway there, and it's pitch black. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> this is a little weird. And it's narrower than a hallway. It's not a normal hallway. And it kind of does this weird little zigzag thing. Like, it's definitely not something that was, like, built intentionally to code. So... Being me, of course, I couldn't resist, even though it was freaky as fuck. So I go back there, and it's, it's another room. Like, there's a hidden room in the basement thing. Like, you go back in this room, and your ears actually pop. It's the weirdest, creepiest sensation to go back there. And it's pitch black. The only light back there, there's a light bulb on the ceiling with a string to pull. Um, except it's pitch black, so to get back in there, you better have a flashlight or your phone or something else. Well, after being in this little room, like that first time, it's just this empty, concrete, creepy-ass little room. And I had this awful nightmare that I went back in there, and when I turned on the light, there was a man hanging in that room, but he hung himself from the beams above. And I've never been able to go back down there alone, and I don't even like going down there not alone. <laughs> I hate our basement. But, yeah, I have an issue with basements. And... um like the basement at the house when we were growing up, didn't like that basement either. Although that was just cluttered and creepy and dank. And um, we have an aunt who lives in an old colonial house. Her basement is creepy as all hell. Um, so yeah, I don't have really good experience with basements. I just, I, I don't like them. <laughs> so I need to move somewhere where they don't have basements and everything is on slabs, <laughs> apparently. But yeah, even going down there to check a circuit breaker, I'm like, I'll sit in the dark until someone else comes home. <laughs> I don't want to go down there. Um, no, not that bad, but almost, almost. So yeah, let's let's think of basement horror story ideas. You have any ideas that um, come to mind? I mean, to me, basements are just, there's always something or someone down there. <laughs> always. Well, like, whenever I get a sense of being afraid in a basement, that's mm -hmm. the reason. It's the feeling yeah. of not being alone somewhere. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. Like, what what would be in the basement? You know, for me, I'm I'm always going to have that, that nightmare about that man just hanging there. And that was before I knew that somebody actually did die in the house. They didn't die that way. But, <laughs> um, and other weird shit happened here. Um. And I'm not going to get into all that because y'all are just going to think I'm crazy. But, yeah, this house is totally haunted. Um, <laughs> nothing, like, malicious about it or anything. But I will link you to a post where I share that story. <laughs> so then you can think of, you, know, you can think I'm as crazy as you want. I don't care. I know what happened here. But, yeah, that doesn't have anything to do with basements. Um, I don't know. For something like I always go to some sort of 
a monster in the basement. That's, like I said before, though, I'm not really a monster person, but I think with basements, I think that's where I am. So that's what we need. We need some sort of a new monster that lives in basements. That would be a story that would creep me the fuck out. Hmm. Maybe something that, like, comes up through the floors. No. I don't know. What kind of a monster would you expect to see in a basement? Um, well, I'm thinking, I think for a lot of people, because it's, like, coming up from under the earth, there's a lot of, like, demonic associations with the basement. I could see that. But I was also thinking of, like, when creatures live in caves. Mm-hmm what they look like if they never are exposed to the sun. So I guess it's like, is this a normal monster or a serial killer that has just chosen to hide in your basement? Or is this something that like... But I don't know. I like the monster idea because the monster could live there, like be a more permanent fixture. You know what I mean? Yeah, like the Slowly their monster in your house. And I guess I feel like it goes with those horror movies. Like it's always the kid who first realizes, like, there's a monster in the house, and the parents are like, oh, it's your imaginary friend. It's just like, no, there's a monster in this house. Um, Right. You know, if I ever have kids and they have imaginary friends, like, that's right away where my mind is probably going to (laughs) go. Oh, my God, there's something evil. (laughs) Take over my child. (laughs) Oh, my. I would be a terrible parent. Actually, no, I wouldn't. I would be a great parent. My kids would have horror movie parties just like I did when I was little. <laughs> we did. I think I watched more horror back then, long before you were born. When we lived in Phoenixville, we used to have all the kids get together and we would watch horror movies. I remember Child's Play coming out and, oh my God, I was so excited for that. And, you know, things like Gremlins. I mean, for God's sakes, I was 12 and Aunt Jessie took me to the theater to see Sleepwalkers. Um, look it up and see how inappropriate it was for a 12-year-old. Um, yeah, no, I love it. My kids will totally watch horror movies. That'll be mandatory in my house. So, expose them young, you know, and then they'll be less afraid, hopefully, as they get older. Or you expose them and they'll be afraid of clowns for their entire life. (laughs) So, I guess it can go both ways. I don't know. I've actually been thinking recently about doing an art series, either sketches or paintings or something, of evil clowns, just to see if it'll help me kind of get past that. Well, we'll see. We'll see. I'd write about them, but I don't think I could handle thinking about them that long. Oh, my God. There it is. There, That is the horror movie I need to fucking see. I need someone to write a horror movie about an evil clown that lives in a fucking basement. <laughs> you take my, like, two two of my biggest fears. <laughs> I don't think I can handle that. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be a little too much. Oh, my. But no. That and stuff in the woods. You know, since, you know, we grew up in around the woods. And we used to play in the woods. And we used to, like, build bridges across the the swales that were through there for drainage. And, like, I had the, uh-huh. engineering, I had the engineering book way back then. I remember um, our, your sister, my stepsister, um... And I, we used to fantasize about building a roller coaster in the trees. <laughs> so we loved the woods. You know, we were always out there playing in the woods. And, but now they're really creepy. You know, like we're talking about when we'd be there at the house at night, surrounded by them and just darkness in those windows. And, um, and 
now, just living in the woods, I get really creeped out. And now I'm on a cul-de-sac, so there's not even traffic going by. It's a really sleepy little street. Um, so, yes, I don't know. The woods kind of creep me out a little bit. I used to love them. I used to hike in the woods all the time. Like I said, we used to play in the woods as kids. The scariest thing in the woods was a deer tick, you know. But, yeah, so no woods, basements, clowns. So you need a house in the woods with a creepy basement with a killer clown living in it. That's what I need. Yeah. So there you go, listeners. Somebody write that for me. <laughs> be my therapy. Get me past my fears. Okay. So I think we've done enough of these today. I don't know that any of this is particularly useful, but hopefully somebody listening picked up a smidge of something that they can run with for a story. And now I'm looking forward to having a real story planning chat with Katie about that new screenplay we were talking about <laughs> with uh, the feminist vampire flick. Um, in the meantime, thank you to Katie for taking the time to do this. It's a whopping three-hour chat. I'm so sorry. And <laughs> <laughs> this one will probably have an extended cut and a regular cut. Um, but you know, I love to hear all of your thoughts. If you have any ideas about anything we've talked about here, especially, you know, we were talking about what kind of monsters you'd like to see revived in fiction or film, um, leave a comment on the show notes page at allwendywriters.com slash podcast slash 25. And you can join me again next week where I will pick up with the community question series. And then if you have a topic that you'd like me to tackle on the podcast in a future episode, you can submit your writing-related questions through the contact form at allindywriters.com slash podcast by emailing me at jen, that's J-E-N-N, at allindywriters.com, or by leaving me a voicemail at 484-575-1345. You can find show notes and related links to this episode at allindywriters.com slash podcast slash 25. You can also access this podcast, audio blog posts, and related audio productions by visiting freelancetheater.com. You've been listening to the All Indie Writers Podcast with Jen Mattern, a freelance theater production. Freelance Theater. It's all writers need for life's little episodes.